and that that's like a big thing that I learned in all of this is typically when you're making a substantial step for the betterment of your life, you're going to probably be doing it shaking yeah. <laughs> and crying. <laughs> Hi everyone, I'm Sarah and I'm Nicolette and you're listening to the Her Beautiful Hustle podcast. We are two women on a mission to help and inspire other women just trying to live their best lives. Come tell us your story. wanted you could get it just a diamond in the rough and you always shine bright even when things get tough keep your head held high straighten out your crown here to pick you up whenever you feeling down remember to never give up and keep pushing through believe in yourself dreams do come true hard work dedication and commitment is the key keep showing up being all that you could be just know that you're not alone be proud of your success stay focused on the prize more peace no stress gotta live best life bask in all your glory we promote women empowerment come tell us your story if you were wondering who took the fabulous her beautiful hustle podcast photos of nicolette and me wonder no more today's guest is rachel mcnair owner of the content agency the content agency is a one-stop shop providing marketing services such as content creation social media management website design and branding and graphic design Rachel is a skilled photographer as well, and not only has a keen eye behind the camera, but can also conform her services to fit your specific brand. Rachel tells us her story of pulling herself up from a very dark place and how creating her businesses essentially saved her. Rachel is not only an amazing businesswoman, but she's also an amazing human being, and this is one unstoppable woman. You can follow the content agency on Instagram at the content agency inc and the content agency's website is www.thecontentagencyinc.com so over the last year i've had the opportunity to really get to know rachel the founder ceo the everything of the content agency and over the last year as i've got to know her here and there bits and pieces of Rachel's story comes out and I am like, oh my gosh, Sarah, we have got to have her on the podcast. And here we are tonight <laughs> sitting with you in person, having you here and everyone's going to get to hear your absolutely incredible story. Um, so thank you for being here. Thank you for being brave enough to tell your story. Um, I just, let's get on with it. <laughs> thank you for having me. I'm very excited. It's my first podcast ever. <laughs> and you, you're the person who made us look so good, too, in all yeah. of our uh, marketing. Instagram. So, yeah. I think that's what's um, nerve-wracking for me. And actually, it's going to be a nerve-wracking couple of days because I am doing – I'm always in the background, and, like, that's my comfort zone. So this I'm doing this tonight, and then tomorrow morning at 7.30 um, – I'm meeting with a new photographer friend of mine, Erin, and um, I'm shooting content for her and she's shooting content for me. And I've never in my entire career had a content shoot of myself. So that's going to be nerve wracking too. I'm so glad you're finally going to be in front of the camera because you should be in front of It's like, if anybody knows how important it is in business, it's me. And so I, I, and I, I've thought about it like here and there, but just, I'm not super comfortable in front of the camera. And then, um, 
you know, she reached out to me and um, she's just a, a great like hype girl fellow business um, owner as well. And she was like, yeah, why don't we do this? It'll be great. I've done it before. And I'm like, oh my God, well, yeah, I'll take you up on the offer, but I'm going to have a panic attack the whole two weeks leading up to it. But um, yeah, well, I know we have a whole list of questions, but I just want to ask. So when you do that, will you like just trust her to do her thing or are you going to be like, I want this, I want this, I want this lighting, I want this um, lens or whatever. So I, we're just kind of trusting each other. I think that's, that's like, I, I feel like a good, a good like golden photographer rule. Like I, I even noticed that like um, in booking like my wedding photographer is um, the, a lot of the questions she was asking me and a lot of the things she was like going over, I was like, Oh, it's cool. Do you do you? I picked you because I like your work, and that's about all I need from you. <laughs> so yeah, no, okay. um, yeah, we won't really. I mean, like I'll edit my own; she'll edit her own. But um, as far as the the whole process, we're just kind of going with the flow. Great! You have so many exciting things coming up for you. Getting married. I am. <laughs> your work was just featured in. A very tiny publication. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know if anyone's heard of it. <laughs> L magazine. <laughs> but you know, it hasn't always been like this for you. And you're that's what we really wanted to highlight in your story today is just how you started your business from where you started it and where it's gone to now. And um I think just wow, it's just so impressive. You're so inspiring. Um, yeah, thank you. Um so I guess to, to just jump in, I, um, I grew up and, um, spent like my, the large bulk of my twenties in, um, horse racing to be more specific harness racing. So not thoroughbreds, a <laughs> lot less money involved there. Um, but my, uh, father, I grew up, my father was a trainer and a driver and, um, my mom worked in the barn. She was a groom and like, you know, barn manager for him. And so naturally all of us kids worked in the barn too. And the, like the joke, especially in the horse business, but I've come to know in um, dating Antonio who works in the restaurant business, it's kind of like just a common theme in family business is that people just have kids. So they have help. But um, so we did, we all grew up um, with the horses. I've, you know, rode horses. I've, I've been comfortable around horses since I was an infant. Like we, from like when we were born, like as soon as my mom could get back in the barn, I mean, we were in, in little, you know, car seats in the barn. I mean, we, we literally spent our whole lives there. So I, um, was very involved in that. And then I went to, I graduated from high school and knew I wanted to get out of it. I was like, for sure, wanted nothing to do with it. And I had already kind of um, established an acting career and not in like, you know, an, an established one, like, you know, my work, but um, <laughs> I took it very seriously. And I was in um, a really big program back then for high school students. That's, um, you know, it was only 10 kids in all of New York state that were in it. And so um, I'd gotten really serious in my junior and senior year of high school. And then when I applied to college, I knew I wanted to get 
as far away as possible. I was that kid. And so I um, went to school in Los Angeles. That was my, um, I like graduated from high school, moved to Los Angeles type of thing. And um, I got an acting degree out there and then very quickly realized that that world was not how I wanted to like live my life. It just wasn't very healthy. I wanted to be in film. I did not want to be in stage and, um, out there it's basically like a giant cattle call where they just take your picture and they don't hear, you know, you don't really audition. It's just like, does this person look like somebody we want on screen? So very quickly at a very young age, I feel like, um, you had to be come very accustomed to knowing what was not great about your face and like <laughs> your body and whatever. And it just became like, you know, I, I don't know. It just wasn't great. It wasn't a healthy environment. So I, um, and I, I think I knew I naturally wanted more control over my life and more creativity and, you know, that kind of stuff. So I, um, transferred to a school, a film school in Vermont, and then got my, um, my film production and film studies degree. And that was really kind of where the camera came into my life. And I got um, more serious about that and really enjoyed that and really realized like my abilities in that department. Um, and I graduated and um, started working for my brother in the barn during the summer just to like make some money thinking I would get out. Um, when the summer was over and start my internships and all that fun stuff. And I never did. <laughs> I just stayed in it full time. Um, and I didn't get out of it until, you know, almost 30. Well, not really. I don't know. 27. I stayed working in it. I was living in multiple places. I would go back and forth from New Jersey and New York. Like Basically, you just follow the horses, you follow the racing, like different tracks race at different times. And I ultimately ended up in Canada. Um, and I was there for around four years. I was brought there, I, I had started dating somebody who was from there, and ultimately married him. And that's why I was there. And being that I was a US citizen, and, you know, the whole immigration thing, I wasn't really able to work there and we're married. He made money. So it wasn't, it, it wasn't a bad situation in that sense. Um, but I did then I was put in a situation to be financially dependent on someone else. I mean, there, there were parts of it that probably weren't great. And I think there's probably like a lot of women out there who can identify with this. I, I think the big thing, especially when being that young, like to be married that young and then be in a marriage that young and be financially dependent on somebody that young. It, you know, the, the idea of leaving a relationship is super scary. Your whole life is tied up in one human being and, and you're, you know, you don't, you don't have a job. You don't have your own money. You don't have your own home. You don't have anything of your own. The only thing I had of my own was I had my own car and my dog. <laughs> and that situation had just really gotten to a bad place. And so I 
I was living in Canada. I came home and I didn't really know what my situation would be in, you know, my marriage and my relationship. And so I didn't really want to tell anybody about what was going on. I just kind of made an excuse sort of like I I had immigration stuff going on and I was going to be home for a couple months and you know, it was very open-ended, whatever. I wanted to make some money while I was here. And I got a job. I I was literally like pulling in my mom's driveway. I wasn't even home for an hour when I got, somebody had reached out to me and said, um, you know, do you want to, are you looking for a job? Like, we're just looking for somebody to help with social media. And so I really did not, I had no experience in it, but I had run my own. I had like a little side arts and crafts business that I was doing when I was in Canada that, um, you know, I knew the concept of taking the pictures, writing the caption, the whole thing. So I said, yeah, of course. And, um, the owner of the business paid for me to do like an online social media manager course. And, from there, that kind of like boosted my confidence quite a bit. And I really do feel like I got a lot of skills from that. But for the most part, I was really learning as I was going. And that's how I've always learned things. I've always been somebody who's like, I got to do it. But after about a month of working there and doing the social media, I, I wanted another job. I needed a little bit more money. So I got a job working at Lucia Boutique in downtown Saratoga. The greatest thing about that, aside from just my job, was um, I'm. that's how I met all of my friends, my whole group of friends who I still have to this day who are like the loves of my life. <laughs> There's five of us. And um, I worked there. My friend Hillary worked there. And my friend Lexi worked there. And then our other two friends, um, Maria and Kayla were like friends of the girls. And and now we're like this very tight knit unit. We all live all over the place around the United States and we're still really tight. But I, that was like the first time I had ever gotten a, a gr- good group of girlfriends that, um, and I think that had a lot to do with it too, is that when it came around to where, you know, I met them and I had established this friendship and then kind of the wheels fell off of the rest of my life. (laughs) And in that process of deciding that like my marriage was over and I was going to be getting separated, it was also like all of those, all of the reasons that that had happened was a horribly devastating experience. And so I really had found myself in a position where I had nothing else to lose. I was about as devastated as a human could be. I mean, when when people say rock bottom, unless you've been there, <laughs> you really don't understand the magnitude of that. And I needed something. And so I had decided to, so <laughs> this is hysterical. There's a joke in my family that the women in our family, so like me, my mom, my aunt, my cousins, whatever, when we're really depressed for whatever reason, we start knitting. And um, I I did not want to knit. I was like really trying to avoid that. So I learned how to crochet. And I got this YouTube channel that I was watching that I was learning how to do 
all these different stitches and stuff. And I think my mom thought I was actually losing my mind, um, which was, it, I, I, maybe I was, I really think I might've been, but I, um, I also then started making my mom knit these washcloths. And from these washcloths that I was crocheting and my mom was knitting, I started this business called Bohemian and Co. And it literally just started because I needed an outlet. I needed a distraction. I needed something that made me feel like I had something. And I had started it with the help of my mom. I immediately like signed up for the Bennington, Vermont farmer's market. I don't live there. I don't know why that one, but I was, when I say I was in a state, I was in a state. And so I signed up for that and I started going and all I had was like mountains of these washcloths. <laughs> it's, it's so bad. You had and a cool then, name though. I mean, it, was a, it was a cool name. You yeah. could really do something. Yeah. You could grow off the washcloths <laughs> with that name. So I had, I was, we were doing the, these washcloths um, and I started making scrubbing sponges by crocheting like this scrubbing material. And I, when I say I was going to these farmer's markets with the utmost confidence that I was a business owner, I can't, I, ugh. and so I, um, in that time too, obviously I, I started an Instagram for the business and that was when I really was able to get creative and like start learning a lot more about how to create content and photography for Instagram and for products and for a business that I didn't have to answer to anybody for. But I, I started going to these farmer's markets and selling this stuff. And then from there I added on like dish towels and, um, baby blankets and, and then like, oh, and then the coffee mugs, the coffee mugs were what really took off. I, how the dish towels didn't make <laughs> me my millions. I don't know. But, but right, hold on. I'm actually, I pulled up your Instagram account and you, <laughs> yes, it's like still there. 2018, this, this kicked off and your grid looked immaculate then. <laughs> at the beginning and you had uh 1700 followers I, yes and nothing's been posted for about a year yeah now. i know um but and sorry. the funny part the funny thing about that is is like when i started the content i mean at the, at the point that i started the content the bohemian and co was very successful on instagram it was very su successful at the farmers markets like I would go to the farmer's market and leave with almost nothing. Um, and Lucia started carrying it and Lex and Cleo started carrying, um, which is another boutique downtown in downtown Saratoga started carrying all of the baby stuff from the baby line. Um, but I, it ended up becoming like apparel and everything. And those mugs, which everybody loved, but they're pain in the ass to make all of it's pain in the ass to make. And I was the only one making it. And like, my mom would help me out here and there with like, um, bigger projects, but I, I just, and I had outgrown the mindset I was in when I had, you know, started my separation and everything. And 
I had gotten to a point where I just, that business had given me so much confidence in myself in just in, in maybe like social media and photography and stuff, but more so as a business owner and running my own life. I had never experienced that. I'd never experienced like making decent money for myself. Like that was never something I thought that I was capable of doing. I just, I, I don't know. I just always saw myself as, I don't know, like a supporting role. I was never, you know, and I, I do think there's like probably people who don't believe that because I really have always been a, a relatively confident, outgoing person. But, you know, there's just certain things that everybody has. And I think another huge part of that was when I started my separation, I started therapy. Like it was not something I was always open to, but I was at such a level of like, devastation at that point that my mom was like, you're either doing this or I'm going to lose it too. And I, I did, I got into therapy. I, um, started dealing with a lot of things that had happened, um, you know, during my time in Canada and, and other things, I mean, you know, you end up in those relationships because of other things, you know? And so, I, um, between that, between having this group of girlfriends who, you know, changed my life, um, in this business, I, I had just gotten to a place where I was like, I really think I can do what I want is really what it was. Like I'd gotten over the hump of sadness and now I just had really gotten, (laughs) for lack of a better term, I was just in like full blown hustle, like bad bitch mode. I, I, there was like, I think what I'm trying to say is like, I had just gone through that and I felt like, like who's going to fuck with me? What have I not seen at this point? Like, I would love to see somebody come and like, wreck my day. You can't. My day's been wrecked way worse than you. I've seen way worse than anything. You know, I mean, the disappointments, the, those fears you have about like what could happen, the scary things, I, there was nothing, no scenario I could think of that could possibly be worse than what I just entered into or like, you know, gotten out of or whatever, however you want to play that. Um, but that that was the real turning point is was the Bohemian and Co for me. And so I tried to do both for a while. I, when I started the content, um, which I'm kind of skipping ahead, but I did try to keep the Bohemian and Co going. It was very successful and it, I didn't stop it because it had like stopped being successful. I, I just stopped taking orders and I stopped making stuff and I slowly <laughs> took the, took the, um, the website down and, um, and everything. Um, but you know, like the Instagram too, like I never go on it. It's pretty much like a dead Instagram. Um, but I love, I don't want to like turn it off because I feel like it's such a time cap- yeah. capsule for me. Um, it's, it's really is like such a, I I'm like getting emotional talking about it, but 
it's such a badge of honor to me because it was such like, it was my life raft and it, it was the life raft I provided for myself. And I think that's, um, I think that's a thing that a lot of women need to know that not everybody's going to have somebody who saves them, you know, um, <clears throat> we aren't taught that, you know, um, and I think that's, that's such a proud moment for me to be somebody who never like really regarded themselves as, um, I don't know, as capable of doing that. I would say that's, that is like the, the biggest thing I learned from the whole thing is just how resilient I truly was. I mean, because the other the thing too is I was never somebody who stepped back and like had account for like things I had been through and things that had happened to me and, um, and how resilient I was, you know, and it's not until you go through something like that, that you're forced to look at that stuff. So I'm not saying everybody needs to be at like, have some horrible, horrible thing happen to them in order to be successful. But I think there's just, you know, if you, if you really use those practices of really taking a step back and looking at yourself and looking at what are you capable of? What have you accomplished already? Even if it's just little things, you know, you really can, you can get yourself in that mind stream without <laughs> having all of that happen. But, um, but so, yes. Yeah, so then I started the content Saratoga is what it originally was. And I had started that when I was still working at Lucia, um, and my first client was, um, the owner of Lucia, Lucy, her husband, um, owns a restaurant, um, downstairs from Lucia in the marketplace called comfort kitchen. And he was my very first client, um, under the content Saratoga. And then Lucia became a client and then, um, it just kind of built from there. And it really was word of mouth. Um, and I just had gotten to a point where I had too many people as clients and I couldn't, you know, do both of my jobs. And that was probably one of the scariest moments of my whole life was to quit my job at Lucia. Um, which, you know, I, that was job. Like I, I knew that was never a career, but it's just something about that stability. And that was the stability I had set up for myself when I had come from, from Canada. So to really let go of that and really embrace this next step of my life was, was scary. But I think a lot of the right steps are, and that that's like a big thing that I learned in all of this is typically when you're making a substantial step for the betterment of your life, you're going to probably be doing it shaking yeah. <laughs> and crying. It's not worth it. It doesn't scare you. Exactly. The, the safe route is probably not always going to be, um, as successful. So I had gone out on my own and that was October of 2019. So what was like your friends, your family, what were they all thinking or saying or asking? Um, you? I think my mom was like, Oh God, this is the worst 
<laughs> Can you just have a normal job, please? Um, and my friends, I mean, my friends, literally the, the best ever. And so they were just nothing but hyping me about it. And, and all of my, like, like my boss at Lucia was super supportive. Um, the people I had already been working for were super supportive and constantly just like, well, yeah, like you have to, like, you're so good at what you do. And I, I think I was still struggling with that a little bit, but again, I just had that mindset of like, well, what, like, okay, I fail. I failed worse before I, you know, somehow just got through all of this <laughs> shit. Like <laughs> failing was no, right. <laughs> failing was no longer a, a scary thing to me. So yeah, so I started that in October of 2019 and then COVID came in and in March of 2020. And so <laughs> that was unexpected. <laughs> but again, I just, I pivoted. I still had the Bohemian and Co at that time. And so I pivoted that business to bring an extra income. I, since we were all home, I just changed the way I was marketing it um, and continue to have online sales, which brought money in. Um, and then with the content, I, I didn't lose, I lost a lot of clients because a lot of them were freaking out understandably, but I didn't lose all of them. And the ones I had were enough to like sustain. And so coming out of all of that, you know, quarantine time, I, had I had started doing like the hand-drawn graphics and things like that to bring in extra money but it also like grew my Instagram following it brought other people into my business who otherwise didn't know about me so again like a shitty thing to happen but it was a blessing like I mean that's the thing is like you have control over what you make a blessing or not like you're always given an opportunity to take something one way or another and I, cho I, you know, obviously the whole quarantine thing sucked, but I pivoted in a way that was able, that I was able to kind of survive, I guess, is really what it is. Are all your clients local? Um, no, not anymore. So that probably. Yeah. Yep. And, and it also made me realize like other talents that I had, other things that, like it, the drawing thing, like I, I come from an art background, like. I, I knew that I had that capability, but I didn't realize there was a want for it. So during that time, there was like now, not so much anymore, um, which is fine. Like, you know, things ebb and flow. I think, I think that's a big thing too, that I was able to learn from the Bohemian and Co is like, not every product, mm -hmm. not every thing that people freak out about right from the beginning is going to stay. So you have to be open to like the ebbs and flows. And if you're open, your chances of being successful are a lot higher because you're going to adapt. You're going to be open to listening to what your customer wants, yeah. you know? And that's something that I feel like I really, you know, gained from, from all that. So Rich, I know there's one um, line of your business that you haven't really talked about and that's the the jockeys that you yes you saratoga jockeys so that came in and at, at that point when that came in i did have three businesses going at once and that was like 
not a fun experience. I don't recommend to anybody to have three businesses at once and be like the sole person working there. <laughs> yes. So again, like I wanted the content to work. Had I just relied on the content, I probably would have been forced to let it go at when COVID happened. I didn't want to. Um, so in, in that I had opened my doors to like, um, through the horse racing community, uh, you know, I, I'm open to painting some jockeys that they, they cost a lot. So it was good, like money for me, um, just kind of looked at it like a side thing. And that's what it was. It was like a side gig. Um, and then towards the end of COVID, I had opened it up as like, I started an Instagram for that and the orders just came rolling in. And so I did that for like all of last year I had that. And now, and that made it possible for me to continue the content and keep the content afloat, um, during a time that people were really scared to spend money on marketing again. So then once that, once the content started, it's upswing again, I stopped taking orders from the jockey business. <laughs> and again, the Instagram's still there. I still get requests and stuff, but that I really just kind of play by ear. It's not my bread and butter, but it's good money if I need to fall back on it. I mean, that, like I said, like I, I never had a plan B, but you can have these like sub yeah. plans to sustain this stuff. Like at the end of the day, the, like, you need to be prepared to hustle. If you're going to be a business owner of any kind, like mm -hmm. you have to be open to hustling. You're not too good for anything. If you're getting into a business just because you want to be able to say I'm a business owner and like have some clout from that, you should stop already. Like it's, it's not as glamorous as it looks. It's not, um, it's a lot of hard work. But you make us all look so glamorous. <laughs> <laughs> well, I just, I mean, it really is. I can say, honestly, I really think that what I'm doing now is something that I was born to do. I really do feel like all of the, the bits and pieces that go into it are like, I learned as I went, I picked stuff up as I went. And, and to be honest, like I understand some people like have issue with that, but I could have gone to school for it and I maybe wouldn't have gotten into it because I would have been discouraged just from the experience. Like school is not my thing. I, when I was in college, I remember being in college and being in one of my first photography classes and the professor pulling me aside and saying, you know, I'm really probably not supposed to say this, but I don't know why you're in college. And I was like, oh, <laughs> um, I, cause you're supposed to be, I don't know. Why would I not? And she said like, there's not, I don't feel that there's anything I could teach you. Like I give you assignments and you do your own thing. And it's like, she said like, I enjoy watching you, but you're not a great student. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I know. <laughs> you know, I, I knew that like, but it was what you're supposed to do. And I think that that was the big thing when I was younger. I think that was the big thing that that rock bottom experience for me um, or changed for me was when I was younger, I just was very 
much the kid who, who did what you were supposed to do. And I really thought that if I did everything the way I was supposed to do it, um, and I was brave, you know, like I, I genuinely thought like if I at 18 go to Los Angeles and I'm in acting school, I will become successful at this and I will be a famous actress and because I'm putting the work in and I'm doing the right thing. And obviously that didn't work out either. <laughs> and, you know, like, again, I, you know, even in the relationship that I was in, I thought that if I was just a really good wife and a really good housekeeper, that I would be successful at this. I would win at marriage. Like I, you know, didn't matter whatever extracurriculars were going on. I I would overcome that or I would change that piece of my relationship by just being better. I needed to be better. And the reality of that is it doesn't ever work that way. That's not true. And that's something I really wish I had figured out when I was younger is that doing things the way that feels most natural to you is probably the best route. Also listening to your gut and really trusting that the things that are not coming so easily to you are probably not meant for you. If you can just trust that and learn to listen to your gut and learn to listen to the universe when it's talking to you, you know, things can go a lot smoother (laughs) because, you know, I, not to get too, you know, woo woo about it, but I, I am a big believer in signs and, and that the universe is out there trying to help you as best as it can. But I think, you know, you really, if you, I think a lot of people, if you look at different points in your life where things didn't work out, I think the universe sends little knocks at, to you about like, this is not meant for you. This is not where you're supposed to be. You know, I think you need to go home. <laughs> I think you need to reassess. I don't know about for you, but I think I got even bigger signs than that from the universe. And I was like, nope, you do not right. know what you're talking about. Well, I think <laughs> it builds. I'm still going to keep trying. I think it builds. I think it starts small and it gets bigger and bigger. And, and the more times you say no, or the more times you're like, ignoring it and just taking it as like a woe is me like when is it gonna be my turn yeah it the the signs get stronger and stronger until you end up on your ass and you have to reassess and you have to change your course you know what's that phrase it's like man's rejection is god's protection or something yes absolutely and you know expect i mean it's it's normal when you're in your 20s to think about like I'm going to make this master plan and execute it. And my life will end up where I want it to be. And, and I think we all learn that lesson in one degree or the other, but, um, sometimes a little bit harder, sometimes a little harder, but I mean, you know, some of us are more stubborn than others, I guess too, but yeah. So Rick, you've talked about your friend group and how incredible that they were, especially to that hard part in your life. Mm -hmm. Um, but is, is there anyone else that you think, that you would like to say was probably super influential in your life during that hard time or even now? Yes. I would say um, my group of friends definitely are, are in that, in that group. But I would say if I had to choose one, I would, it would be my mom Um, mainly because I mean, not only 
And I, I mean that in like every sense. I, in the bigger picture sense, like I grew up watching my mom always have more than one job, work her ass off. She raised us three kids as a, as a single mother, basically, and killed it, you know, like, and she's still somebody who t- takes absolutely no credit for anything, <laughs> literally has, you know, has no confidence in, in the execution. She's just so like, not prepared to take a compliment. And she worked her ass off, absolutely worked her ass off. And and to this day, you, you a lot of women her age are right now talking about getting retired or retiring, getting retired, <laughs> retiring. And she's like, I could, I can't even picture that. Like, <laughs> like she just, she really just is like the queen of the hustle. She really is. And so seeing that and growing up around that, that has it's just second nature to me I know the importance of work ethic and I um I genuinely enjoy hustling and I feel accomplished when I'm doing that you know it's not even really the reward at the end of it or like the things that come of it I think for me it's it's the process of it and I I think I I learned that from her for sure so it's funny that you mentioned your mom has a, a hard time taking a compliment. Not that you have a hard time taking a compliment, <laughs> but I think that this next, these next set of questions might be a little difficult for you to answer because um, I want you to brag about yourself. Oh, God. I, I know, but bear with me here. So I could say a lot about the answers to these, but tell our listeners like, I feel like you have a very unique skill set, a very unique lens, a very unique way of working with your clients. So tell us about that. What, what separates you from the other people who do what you do? Um, so I would say like the, the big standout thing is typically when you're working with a social media agency, the content creation side of things is not really there or if it is it may not be like a specialty i not only have the skill set for social media management or social media coaching i have the skill set to also create your content for you and that is like a huge passion of mine and it's also you don't get from just a regular photographer because i understand the marketing of it and i understand what we're using this for, where it's going, um, and the difference depending on where it's going. So I also create websites. Like that's something else that we offer at the content agency. So or whether the photo or video content is for a website or social media platforms or other marketing materials or email marketing, um, that makes a difference. So in being that I understand that as your photographer as well, really changes things like changes the quality of what you're getting sometimes like when you're approaching when you have to go to two different people for these things um or two different businesses you know when you're approaching a photographer to do your your business stuff you same thing like if if you're getting a a photographer your photographer for your wedding is you have to examine their style of photographing their style of editing and try to find one that most aligns with your brand. With what I do is I look at your brand and I adjust our style and our editing to that because I know that's important and I have that ability. That's a big thing that sets us, us apart. 
and and the fact that it's a one-stop shop, not just in the social media and the website, but also, or the social media and the content creation, but also in website creation in, um, we just, you know, have teamed up and brought, uh, Alyssa has been, Alyssa from Pine and Park has been so kind to come on and help our clients with um, branding and any graphic design needs and stuff like that. So, um, and we're continuing to like bulk up our team. We're going to be adding a videographer soon, hopefully. And um, I mean, I, I can do that, but I, I like the idea of being able to bring on other views, other people who specialize in different things. So the one other thing that I would brag about for you that you haven't said is that my mom always used to say like, Nikki, you're only as good as the company you keep. And I think that the company that you keep and the, the clients that you have and the people that you recommend, it's just such a incredible, another asset for anyone who works with you that you, you know, you also have potentially access to those other people that, that you work with too. So I think that that's like a huge you've been working with you I know me personally like I've benefited so much with not having to go out and find certain people because you're already connected to to so many people who thank you someone like me might need <laughs> well I appreciate that I um I always joke they say there's like a mom of every friend group I feel like I'm the dad <laughs> I, I'm like the the person who has a guy for everything I'm like oh you need you I need somebody I got a guy for that. Yeah. Like, yeah let me help you um, yeah, no, I, I, and I'm very grateful for, for all of those people that I'm connected with. It is so cool to think about where you're at right now with your career and the content agency. What, if you were to say like in five years, where, where do you see the content agency? I mean, I right now would say I, I would like the trage trajectory of the business to be in five years, like in regularly in major magazines and publications and working with really, you know, high budget, global, national, whatever known brands. I'm really open to anything. You know, I think that's important. I think it's important to have goals and, and to be manifesting things, but I'm open to wherever you know, I, I find myself yeah. in five years or, you know, whatever might pop up along the way. It, it is, I feel like it is important to think that far ahead as a business owner, you really do need to do that. Like for me, I'm, I'm getting married. So like things in my life are changing, my personal life are changing. So I'm having to do the work now to kind of beef up the, you know, the people I have in the agency to, to maybe lean on in times of like building a family or anything that kind of comes up like that. Um, so that's kind of how I try to use that thought process process of thinking five years ahead. But like, I definitely have goals. I definitely have aspirations of where I want this business to go, but I do also, I think COVID taught a lot of this, this I'm, I'm open though to yeah, wherever. And clearly demonstrated that pivoting is yeah. <laughs> a very, very strong strength of yours. <laughs> but I, and I think it's something that um, anybody who wants to own a business and, or, I mean, it's not even 
a business, but just like life in general. Mm-hmm. You, I think it's a, a very important skill set to, you know, teach your kids to yeah. teach, you know, or just to learn yourself and be open to like, you really do to a certain extent have to have a go with the flow attitude if you're going to be a, a business owner. So before we get on with our most favorite part of our episode, yes. um, not to worry, all of Rachel's contact information is going to be in our show notes. <laughs> Sarah will, will put everything in there you need to know. We're going to have everything linked on Instagram. What's your favorite season to take pictures in? Summer for sure. I, I hate being cold. <laughs> I feel like all the other ones are pretty nippy. Even with that being said, though, you're not afraid to get out there in the freezing cold weather with a, a client. No, I'm not. Never, maybe. But yeah, <laughs> that too. Um, but yeah, I know the summer. I think the other thing too about the summer is not only is it warmer, so everybody's more comfortable, but you get longer stretches of daylight yeah. and the golden hour is just so much nicer and the sun sets later. So I have more hours in the day and which is lucky because that's the summer tends, the summer season tends to be way busier, especially for local clients. Mm -hmm. Um, so I, I do get more hours in the day, which is really useful. Uh, what's one place or one of the places that you're just dying to go visit? Um, this is a hard one. I would say definitely Montana. I would love to do, which for anybody who doesn't know this about me, I'm the rodeo is my aesthetic (laughs) in every way, shape or form. Um, so I would like to do like one of those, those like camping things where it's, I mean, it's not, it's like, it's, it's like beyond that. It's like those luxury cabins basically, but you get to ride horses the whole time. You get to fish and like the whole thing. Like I love that. I grew up very country. And so, um, I would love to do that. Or like Texas. I'd like to go to Texas too. Do you actually like riding horses? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I I grew, like when I was younger, my mom put me into riding lessons because she thought I was going to become a jumper. My mom was a jumper. My mom went to college and like jumped and did hunter jumping in college. And I she only had one daughter. That was me. And she had like the eye on the prize. I, I don't even know. I turned like 10 and she got me in there and it was like, here she is. She's going to be a star. She's going to the Olympics. <laughs> and I got there and they threw that English saddle on the horse. And I was like, Oh no, no, I will not be doing that. And I just crushed every dream my mom ever had for having a daughter that day. Um, and then I did like barrel racing never competed or anything. Um, but I always in taking care of racehorses, you ride, but you ride in a different way. You ride in a cart in the back. Now you just said barrel racing. Like, is that a true, uh, stereotype? They say in Yellowstone barrel racing girls are, are crazy. Are, yes. I, I do believe it's a real stereotype in the rodeo <laughs> world. Um, I was like 11. So. <laughs> not like, yeah, I, I didn't get like too crazy. <laughs> Um, but in the, I do know they say that in the rodeo world. I don't know how much of a blanket statement that is or not, but, um, there could just be some, there could be some. Um, are you a beer or a wine drinker? I'm a beer drinker all the way. Wine and I are just like, I don't know. I don't know if it's just not my thing or whatever. I, but beer is, I, what's your favorite beer? 
or style here? Well, I have to say Mick Ultra because Mick Ultra, my friend group were sponsored by Mick Ultra. Not really, but <laughs> to us we are. Um, if you ever watched our Snapchats, we definitely okay. appear to be. Um, but no, my my true blue favorite beer is Pabst Blue Ribbon. Mm-hmm. Are you a can drinker or oh, a bottle? Does Pabst come in a bottle? I think it only comes in a can. I think Pabst only comes in a can. Yeah. No, I have no preference. Okay. Yeah. It's very really uh, on brand with your. Yeah. It is. Well, look, I'm from. I'm. A, I, I'm like we moved around a lot when I was little, but like I went to high school and everything in Stillwater, New York, very small town, very country, <laughs> and I grew up in a barn. Like I, there's certain things that right. you just got to stick to your roots with. Yeah. You just really got to own it. Paper planner or electronic calendar? Oh my god. Hmm. This is mixed. I have my calendar, like my schedule is in my, my phone. Like that it has to be, or I, cause I need my phone to be my assistant and alert me of these things. Mm-hmm. But, um, as far as like anything else, I have to write it on paper. I've really tried to do like my to-do list notebook thing on my iPad and it just doesn't work for me. I need the, the paper. Is it my turn, Sarah? Mm-hmm. <laughs> What's your favorite thing about you? There was a point in my life where I really thought I, I had lost faith in humanity. Like, really, I didn't think that I would ever be able to have real friendships again because of just some very devastating experiences in my marriage. And I have a group of the best friends that I ever could have. You know, like that's that really is a crazy thing if you think about it. Mm-hmm. You know, to go from thinking I'm never going to trust another human being ever to being only three years later. I, I not only had a group of girlfriends right away, but to find this man who's like the greatest, literally the, and everybody can, who is also married to a man can argue with me about this, but I have the best one. <laughs> we're going to let you have it tonight. Yeah. Antonio, we're going to let you that. have it yeah. tonight. <laughs> but yeah, I, and I, so I, I guess, I'm just really, I think I'm just proud of myself that I stayed open to that. Or I would have missed out on a lot. You know, I would have missed out on a lot of really great people. All right. What's your biggest pet peeve? Is this a word? Unaccountability? I don't know. Lack of accountability? Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. Or not holding someone accountable. I I don't know why. And this seems totally off topic from what we've been talking about. But that is definitely my biggest pet peeve. I hate when people... Like, you know, when someone is just being an asshole and everybody lets it slide, I hate, I can't, I cannot do that. (laughs) I am like the worst person for that. But no, I hate that. That is my biggest pet peeve by far in business and in regular. So is it the person being the jerk or is it the person, other people, people just like enabling them to be like that? I think it's the enabling more than the person being a jerk. Yeah. Yeah. I just, I hate an environment. I feel like. I, I'm conscious of the things that I do and say every day. Yeah. Um, I, I know we're all capable of it. Right. <laughs> and I don't like it when people get to slide on that. Yeah. Totally. What is something that brings you joy? So there's probably like a lot of things that make you happy, but like your heart is about to explode kind of joy. I feel like I, I'm just like repeating myself. I'm so okay. sorry, but a hundred percent now that my, all of my friends are scattered around the United States, when we are all in the same room, that is like the best feeling in the whole world to me. Best feeling. Antonio, like when I get to spend time with Antonio, I really do. 
I'm very lucky to have these people in my life. <laughs> well, I'm sure they would say they're very lucky to yes. have you. Oh, I hope <laughs> so. Definitely. Thank you for sharing your story, Rachel. Yes. Oh, this thank you so much. And we can't wait, you know, in years to come when we saw this podcast to see <laughs> and hear all of the cool things that the yeah. content agents Thank you for listening to the Her Beautiful Hustle podcast. You can follow us on Instagram at Her Beautiful Hustle. You can follow Nicolette at The Good LC and Sarah at Sass Tips. If you like this episode, please do us a favor and leave us a review. We would so appreciate it. If you would like to be a guest or know someone who would be a great guest on our show, email herbeautifulhustle at gmail.com or DM us on Instagram. Come tell us your story. remember that I'm actually the one doing the interview. <laughs> <laughs> wow, Rachel. I feel like I'm babbling. I'm no, so sorry. No, not at all. So I had started the Instagram for that. And um, that pause. Okay. Then we'll just start a new 30 yeah. minutes. Okay. You're doing really, really good. <laughs> yeah. <that's funny. laughs> I feel like